your colon hello. It is I, Jacob Dupree, a.k.a. The Commissioner, accompanied by my always very special associate, Jance. And yes, the rumors are true. If it does love you, it does come back. Taylor, hath returneth. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, hello. <laughs> I had a very chill, fancy weekend. Nothing happened at all. You lying? Oh, I almost made this an explicit podcast. <laughs> Behole grabbed his brother's phone and accepted a trade no. for him while they're at a family event. That's exactly what happened. Collusion. I call shenanigans. Collusion. And your computer can't keep up, and so that, that just further confirms. Collusion. The shenanery. See, look, you didn't even hear that, did no, you? No, no, we were hanging. I was, I didn't, I lagged out for a second, to be honest with you. <laughs> but when I came back, I was going to tell you that we're hanging out at Easter, and we're just talking fancy in general. And then he just asked me how much it would cost to get Bijan, and so like haphazardly, I'm like, oh, it take three first round picks. Like you'd never get there. And then he sends me that like real quickly. I'm like, oh, maybe we can make this work. Oh my god, that's really what happened. First off, I'm bitter because I too have sent him three first round picks, and the answer what I got was. Let's wait till after the draft, punk. Well, let's wait. Let's not let it go. Nope. So, nope. I'm better. You're, you had sent me the best package, which I was seriously considering. That's what she said. But, but it was the, you know, obviously Bijan. On the other side that you were sending me was the 104, the 110, the 112, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Okay. Jacob sent, or Jordan sent me the 102, so just one spot back. The 108, and then his 2024 first, which I, at this moment I think will be good. We don't know that. Just so you know, I'm hoping he wins, and it's the 112, and you get some garbage dookie fire that is I, never useful for a fantasy roster. It's totally possible. I hate totally you so possible. much. Moving on before I start punching my own laptop, making it glitch out. Um, some spiciness that happened was, or spiciness, it was more like expired salsa. I mean, Odell Beckham has, and I'm terming this, pro- pro- I think, appropriately, he has agreed to terms with the Ravens. There's like 15 million guaranteed, upwards of 18 million with bonuses and such. But they don't have enough cap space for it. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but the elusive Lamar Jackson is still out there in the ether. But supposedly, then there was this other report that Lamar was recruiting Odell to come to the Ravens. Anyways, we'll just assume Lamar stays. Does it matter that OBJ is in Baltimore? Taylor, croon me with your gingerly voice here. I really don't think it matters. Uh, I mean, he's he's getting one year, $15 million. If anything, it's, it's the Ravens going back to... Um, I was listening to some excerpts from the Colin Cowherd podcast, and I agree. It's, it's an absurd amount to be paying for a guy that has had multiple massive knee injuries or lower body extremity injuries over the last several years. And I get it. He had a terrific 2021 playoffs with the Rams in that first half with the Super Bowl. I swear we're going to hear that till September 3rd about how great that quarter and a half in the Super Bowl it was. Look, here's the thing. It's still Lamar and Mark Andrews is going to be the number one target regardless of who his number one wide receiver is, but they've, they've tried going back to the well a couple of times now. I mean, they brought in Nelson Aguilar last year. They had Deshaun Jackson. It, it, it really just depends on if Lamar is going to sign up. I honestly don't know if Lamar is going to sign that five-year extension max contract that he's wanting, you know, that $250 million contract. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to ride out the next two years. Kirk Cousins style and the Ravens are going to go, we're going to maximize it as best as possible. And the way that they're going about it is they'll be able to tell their free agents, 
well, you know what? We, we, we tried our best, you know, we got Lamar, the wide receiver that he wanted in Odell Beckham jr. And we'll saddle up and see what happens. But honestly, it doesn't give me that much confidence if I'm being perfectly honest. Gents with Odell, if you have him on a dynasty roster, do you try to trade him as fast as you can? Do you see what happens or do you just kind of hang out and just kind of cry because you haven't just a question mark? I would, if I had him, I would try to trade him because I would think that now you should be able to get some value for him. Whereas you probably weren't going to get anything for him as recently as a day ago. Um, depends on what you're expecting of him. Do I think Odell is going to return back to 2020? 14 numbers of course not but i think that he could be a low win wide receiver three i think that's a very real possibility um we obviously don't know what his health is there's been so many concerns about that but i do think he's 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 better than most in this league i'll say that and the ravens clearly think so or they at least really are trying to get some motivation for lamar to sign you know his tenured agreement or or what have you. Um, I think it's better for Lamar than it is for Odell. I mean, that receiving core looks better on paper with him, Rashad Bateman healthy, Mark Andrews hopefully healthy. And the expectation, I think, at this point for most is they'll still go take a first-round receiver, whether that's um, Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, take your pick, whatever. If they get that kind of grouping around him, then I start to feel a lot better. New offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, I think, is an upgrade from the previous. So, I mean, it's one step. I'm more curious to see, does this really get Lamar back in the boat like we're hearing where they're saying that he was the one really pushing for this? And even one source I had seen, I think it was on a CBS News article, was saying that one person um, was basically hearing that getting Odell in this way was not quite a done deal to get Lamar, but it was mm. pretty close to it. So we'll see what happens. I mean, for me, I don't care. He's 30 years old. He was great like four years ago. Like genuinely, when was the last time Odell had a usable fantasy season? Someone hop he, on sleeper and look that up for me. He hasn't had a thousand yard season since 2019. I appreciate you. That that is now four years ago and two ACLs ago. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I just I don't see it. Like like Jan, I do agree with what Jant said that, and I think even Taylor, you mentioned that it's a better NFL move than it is for any of your fantasy rosters and dynasty rosters, because whenever, and I say this a lot, this is my interesting Taylor, when push comes to shove, um, it's still going to be a wide receiver. That's going to be behind. I almost called him Todd heap again, Mark Andrews, who's still going to be on a team that doesn't have the most accurate of quarterbacks. I, I will need to see it for at least three weeks before I can hop back into slide Odell into your flex spots again. Um, that's just me. I just I just don't feel it. And once again, the biggest shoe that's yet to drop is we're still hanging out waiting on Lamar and where he's going to sign. Um, we're just up in the air. We don't know what's going to happen. I um, still think he's going to find a way to end up in Indianapolis. That's I, I feel like that's the, the Colts trying to drive another dagger into Baltimore after all these years. Like that's, <laughs> that's her say like, yeah, I'm going for it, dad. I'm going to get you Lamar. Like, so for instance, keep trade cut, which once again is not the end all be all, but it's a very good crowdsourced information that you can kind of get the general feel of value of players. Odell Beckham in a, uh, Odell Beckham period. Would you rather have ODB or Samaj P. Ryan? Chance? 
Uh, give me Odell Beckham just because, like I mentioned, he's got a little bit of upside to me. Taylor? Odell because he's projected to be the wide receiver one, whereas Samaje is a backup running back right now. I'll give me Samaje, baby. He's going to start until Javante gets in. OD, <laughs> ODB or we'll go with Deonta Foreman. Ooh. Odell. One for Odell? Give me, give me, give me Deonta because if it doesn't work out with Khalil Herbert, you could have a a good fantasy season or two. Are we on running back four for the New York Giants in this scenario? <laughs> uh, and then I'll just ask one more for my own kicks and giggles. By the way, I would take Deonta Foreman. Uh, ODB or oncoming rookie Israel Bonaconda, which I would equate to like a late second round pick as of this current remote moment, maybe early third. Uh, you know the way I'll go with this. Anybody that's got a modicum of upside, I'm taking. And surprise, I, I like a Bonaconda. So. My man, welcome to the party. <laughs> Taylor, there's one right answer. If you don't say it, I'm kicking you out. How, how do you say his last name? Israel Abanaconda. Abanaconda! My man. I love another <laughs> fantasy footballers just released their Dynasty um, podcast, which they did once a week. It's great, by the way. I think they said it's Abanaconda, but they do the whole Abanaconda <laughs> don't bite, like, you know, the What's yeah. Your Face song. It was, it's pretty spicy. It's been a great two weeks. They unveiled their new Dynasty mm-hmm. podcast. And while CBS is not on uh, podcast they have a tuesday dynasty only show on youtube so it's a and, great time right now and it's with someone who i would consider like i align my thoughts a lot with heath cummings he he's whenever he speaks i'm like yeah you know what that makes sense let's write that down that's law um but okay we'll the prog- law according to heath i mean i would abide by it do if we want to have like this, i'll have a shirt we need to try to figure out how to get a sponsorship by Heath bars and just have like a Heath moment. And we all like <laughs> eat Heath bars and just talk about quotes from Heath Cummings. As long as I can get like a Dairy Queen blizzard, just add them to the list. Dairy there Queen Heath blizzard. Mm, sign me up. It's summer, but guess what? I'm married. I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> but we're going to now tip to ourselves into the kind of this next little intro section coming through here. Um, so Jance sent me a text message earlier today about some jabroni at, um, CBS saying that this is going to like 2023 is Najee's year to be like the elite running back. I think Jance, is that what the headline basically said? It said the best running back in football. Disgusting. Um, but that got Jance and I kind of talking a little bit about how like his situation just in general. And then how basically we brought up Josh Jacobs in the conversation. So we'll just, we'll start with a, just a quick Najee conversation because like Jance brought up earlier in our conversation, which is a valid and true point. At one point in time, he was like, what, the RB1 in Dynasty, RB2, something like that, Chance? I think he was RB2 or 3. I know he's buying JT. Something like that. And then now he is, according to once again, keep trade cut, is RB10. So that's a pretty significant difference, obviously. But, you know, we just want to have this conversation because, like, we're entering into where there was one season where he caught 80 passes from Ben Roethlisberger. Then there was one season where he had Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett as his backup or as his quarterbacks, and they threw a combined like 12 touchdowns all year, I think, something gross like that. Um, that just kind of got us talking about. So we'll just start with the Najee Harris conversation of where, Taylor, do you like have Najee right now in your dynasty brain in this offseason? Because through free agency, they have added two offensive linemen, and one of them from the Eagles, right, Jance, like Isaiah Samalu or whatever. I know it's his I, I name. I don't know where so. he's from, but he's a solid guard. Or is he? T- I don't know. He's a better offensive lineman than what they had, which honestly is not hard. But they've upgraded with two offensive linemen from free agency. 
All the draft chatter has them looking at offensive linemen in the first, second, or third rounds, or possibly two of the three. Um, so where do you currently stand with Najee Harris in terms of dynasty context? Because this is dynasty summer. You're making trades today, like Jance and his brother's shenanery, taking each other's phones at Eastern, screwing my fun over. But it's fine. It's whatever. <laughs> so um, I will say this. Pref- preface this with, with this. It is April. It's before the draft. I do own Najee in one of my leagues. So there's some of my tilted biasness to it. I still think at this moment, Najee is a top five running back. Um, even though he's 25 years old, the last two years he's had over, let, let's put this into context. He's had over a thousand yards. His first two seasons, his yards per carry is 3.9 and 3.8. His touchdowns for, uh, receiving and on the ground are identical. Both years, seven touchdowns on the ground, three touchdowns, uh, through the air. And the only, the biggest difference was that his targets and receptions have gone down which I think Kenny Pickett is going to have a much better year circa having offensive linemen. So having the ability to catch more balls out of the backfield, be able to set him up for easier third down plays uh, for Kenny Pickett. I think Najee Harris is going to have another consistent year and ergo can be elite. I'm not going to say it's going to be on that he is going to be the bona fide number one Jonathan Taylor type of player, but I think He's in the conversation for top three this year. Top five is, is my floor. And I feel comfortable with that considering how consistent he's been over the last two years. Dangerous chance. Yeah. I mean, when I looked into his value, it's honestly not much different than I have for myself, which is about running back 12. Um, Now that is because I can't push myself to find, you know, a spot for him in that top five, but he's one good year away from vaulting himself right back in there and that's kind of what, why in our conversation i brought up the josh jacobs josh jacob comparison mm-hmm. um they're both you know from alabama both first round pick 24 out of the draft and you know Najee had that great rookie season um and his hype was super high and then obviously this year was was pretty bad still got over a thousand yards but it wasn't great in a per carry basis which he's never going to be excellent at that i mean he's a volume-based guy so I don't think that's really going to change. Really, to me, it comes down to how much do you believe in the Liz Frank injury and how much that was hurting him this year. Um, he ended the season on 11.9 fantasy points per game, half-point PPR. Uh, but if you remember, the big news that came out was after the bye week, which I think was in week nine, is when the news came out that he had actually been playing with a metal plate in his shoe, and they had they went ahead and took that out. After the bye week, if you were to take what he did there and then project over a season, he averaged 14.2 points per game. So, I mean, a market difference, that would have put him about seventh on the year as far as points per game. Um, So it just really depends on how much you believe in that. I think that had something to do with his his performance. I don't think it was everything, but I think it was a large part of it. And I think, like Taylor mentioned, we all know that for the most part, Elite running backs tend to play in offenses that get in the red zone and score a lot of points. That was anything but Pittsburgh last year. I think all of us agree that offensive line will likely be at least somewhat better with the additions they've made. It's hard to get worse. We say we can hope. Yes, it's hard to get worse. Um, <laughs> we believe that Kenny Pickett will probably take a step forward. Um, we think that Piggins will take a step forward. So we think that offense will be better than what it was last year. 
And so with all of those factors coming together, if he is indeed healthy, like we expect him to be, I don't see any reason why he can't put up a top five season. That doesn't mean that I'm going to project that necessarily, but it wouldn't shock me in the least if he basically does what Josh Jacobs just did the past year, which was be a 12 to 15 kind of guy on a per game basis. And then all of a sudden he pops through and hits top three season. So <clears throat> I'm on the other side of this boat, as you people can imagine, because I've been kind of on the opposite side of the train of Najee Harris since probably his second year. Yeah, whenever been Big Ben, well, he's, he's only out he's only played two years. Exactly, that's why I said second year. <laughs> um, uh, but so the way I kind of saw it was like, yes, I do agree. After he got that metal plate removed from his shoe, he was better. But even his better games, he only had produced three top twelve running back finishes. And one of those running back finishes was week 18, which nobody cares about because if you're in a decent fantasy league, your championships are on week 17. Um, so like whenever I stand on the other side of this fence, I do 100% agree that I think this offense should be better. I think that Najee hopefully should be healthier, but I mean, the list Frank does is something that scares me because I mean, for instance, what happens to wide receiver, we panic. Like everyone just goes into full blown freak out. Julio Jones is like the only one that we're aware of who really had one of those fractures and came back and kept playing at a high level. Um, but when it comes to Najee, I just, my concerns are just that if he doesn't get to that like 20 touch marker, because whenever you look at his game log on once again on the sleeper app, uh, he has 20 carries, 20 carries, 10, which was he's running back 29, 17, 12, 24, 16, 22, 23, which is all fantastic. Okay. I know I'm making a point for you guys. But when push comes to see there it is game when push comes to shove, some of those games there were uh, there was one against Atlanta they were hot garbage for the majority of the year against the rush like they were the bottom of the barrel at one point in time. He played Carolina same situation. He played the Raiders same situation, um, and even and there's two games in there with the um, Ravens and I know that while they were still pretty good against the ground it wasn't like it used to be. I think they were still middle of the pack. Um, well, so I think those stats are just a little inflated. And just my other thing is, I mean, he has two games where he had 10 catches by himself, which once again, like I know that's going to make a point for you guys. But whenever you look at those two games, that's whenever he, those two games combined, he was a running back three and he was the running back 17. So, so I guess I just stand from the point of a Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris are the same age. Right. B, I think the Raiders offense will be better than the Steelers offense this upcoming year because I trust trust both coaching staff surprisingly much. I Mike Tomlin a little bit more, but I just feel like the Raiders offense on its entirety will be better, which would put Josh Jacobs into more of a situation to score. So if I'm talking even dynasty context with them being the same age, I know Josh Jacobs just entered into a second contract. I would see if you can make the trade of having like like I would trade Najee for Josh Jacobs. Probably one for one. Does that make me weird? A little bit. No, and I, and I don't think that's a bad trade to make. I think in most instances, people value Josh Jacobs higher because they are the same age, even though I would argue that Najee probably has a little bit less wear on the tires because he was behind Damian Harris, behind Josh Jacobs at Alabama. Yeah, really see, Najee was behind season. even Josh. Yeah, yeah, eat it. Um, I'm Dance, curious come on, you, man. No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. I will say that amongst our league, I, I tried to acquire Najee Harris today from a manager whom shall not be named. Um, <laughs> well, we and, can look it up. It's not It's not that difficult. <laughs> no, so I, I sent it to Dayton, um, and I was, I, was curious to, I was curious to see on, on if his value of Najee had 
wavered and it has not because I offered him the 108 and the 301 just as a feeler and he countered with uh, Ken Walker for Najee Harris straight up. Oof. Which if you heard me talking this podcast, that's probably not going to happen. So I think if you have him, most people are still invested in him, so it's going to be hard to acquire him. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I know we talk about redraft a little bit, but in redraft, he'd be a guy I would totally be targeting because I, I think in that context, everybody's selling on that. I sign on to that statement because in redraft, he's probably going to be a little bit further behind on the draft order, probably like mid second to early third. One guy I did want to ask you about that I know are back to back in a lot of people's rankings. Would you rather have Najee or like Javante Williams? Mm. We're going to be here another 15 Cause, minutes. Because to me, cause to <laughs> me, that one is, is so clear as day, but I knew that you wouldn't see it that way. If it's any consolation, I would rather have Najee over Javante because that they are healthy. That there's one thing it's still because I even had this own epiphany of myself. I was like, okay, we freak out about um, like, you know, Javante Williams knee. And I know it is a worse knee injury than Brees Hall's was worse injury than a couple of the torn ACLs that we're dealing with and other injuries. But like, he's only 22. Javante is only 22. He's not, I don't think he's even turned 22 yet. No, that's the only thing that like has my mind lingering of he's so young. And if what we're saying about Brees Hall, once again, completely different injuries, I understand. But like if what we're saying about Brees Hall is he's so young, the likelihood that he's going to come back and be strong towards the second half of the season. Why aren't we saying something similar ish to Javante? Well, the reason why I brought the name up is for me, let's take the injury out of it. So let's take that out of the equation. And I I don't want this to come across as me besmirching. Javante Williams because I I really like, like but they've both been they'll both be going to the third year this this year yes to that. I I just look at it this way that that while it wasn't substantial Najee out of college was a slightly better prospect he had better draft capital and at least even though it's only been two years he's proven that he could be a bell cow back we saw that with his I think his third place finish his rookie year whereas Javante a part of that has been injury wasn't able to usurp Melvin Gordon. And obviously got to a slow start last year before his injury. And so in that context, it's just that one guy on the boxes that I like to see checked has him beat in the ones that I care about. It might not be mm-hmm. by a lot, but at least at least something. But, Taylor, you so, got any final words on this this little conversation? Yeah, yeah just one follow-up. So if if Najee, because you're, you're talking about the volume that he's getting as a running back, mm-hmm. far as from a wide receiver, a tight end perspective outside of Devonte or sorry, not Devonte, uh, Deontay Johnson and Firemuth. I mean, who's, who's going to get the targets for the Steelers in 2023? Granted, I, mean, I understand it's April, but still, I mean, there's George Pickens there. And my thing is, ah, that's right. I forgot. If Kenny George. Pickett takes that next step, <laughs> it's okay. Can you think it takes that I'm next rusty little, little baby rusty. step as a passer? I mean, we saw it even in a couple of games last season. Whenever Kenny Pickett was, whenever he was feeling it, he was attacking downfield. That's going to be the one thing that, like, if we see more in training camp that you know Mike Tomlin's beating into his head, hey, if Reed one's not there, find Najee or Pat Fryberth. They're going to be you know that five to ten yard intermediate area. Um, but when even at Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett was a downfield aggressive passer. And that's the thing that kind of pulls the reins back on Najee getting 40 catches is just that I don't think he's going to be looked at as the first, second, or third read. Um, that's that's going to be my biggest hold whenever it comes to that. But, like, it's fantasy football. You have to be pliable with how you see things based off of what the draft tells you, based off of what the offseason tells you, and based off of player performance. Yeah. 
I just will take more selling than you guys will on Najee Harris being, you know, a top seven dynasty running back. You you think running backs are old after they're 23, though. I, I mean, um, I feel like you're well, already going to be starting looking to trade Brees Hall after the end of next year. Maybe. 25 <laughs> is when they're officially old in my head, which is weird because I'm going to be turning 30 this year. Gross. As someone who's on Ew. this side of 30, it's uh, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I, I woke up the other morning and I, I uh, sat up out of the ba- bed and I uh, pulled my lower back. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. stretch. Just, just something to look forward to. I mean, I do. Speaking of pliability, <laughs> plugging in for uh, TB. We miss you already. <laughs> um, so, okay. So now since we're on this conversation, kind of like buy low, sell high-ish situation, I want to bring up a couple names that last season, like significantly higher on the value is even different. Um, so like, for instance, like I'm going to go with Michael Pittman. Okay. Coming into the season last year, he was as high on, as a wide receiver as six on keep mm-hmm. trade cut. Currently, he's the wide receiver 24. Um, we know that we can be expecting an onboarding of a par- probable rookie quarterback, maybe Lamar Jackson. We don't know. But regardless, what do you do with, to quote Mike Wright, pity city? Because I think we all can see that there is talent, there is length, there is athleticism, there's height. But yet, the biggest thing that's missing is the dude getting him the ball. Because that one year, whenever it was Carson Wentz, who kind of locked in on him a little bit, he was a productive fantasy receiver. I think he was like a number 20 something, maybe. Yeah, back, he was top 20, yeah. So what do you guys want to do with Michael Pittman in this buy low window? Or are you saying, screw it, it's a rookie quarterback. We don't know what's going to happen. It could be Alec Pierce as much as it could be freaking Michael Pittman. Well, I think it's no secret. Like you mentioned, it's all tied to quarterback. And we'll get a lot more clarity after the draft. I... I have expectation and hope that it'll be better than last year because it's it was it's hard to be worse than last year. Um, I'd say even if it's Anthony Richardson, um, no, nope, we don't sell think him, would, delete him from the database. Well, I was gonna say he gets drafted. I don't think he would start day one. It would more yeah. than likely be um, Gardner when Gardner Minshew, who I think would be great for him. Same. Beyond that, though, in this for me, which you know me, I have a very futuresque perspective when it comes to dynasty, even maybe to a, de- a detriment. Mm. Pittman, I believe this is the last year of his rookie deal. So even if we are still concerned about the quarterback situation in Indianapolis, there's a decent chance that he may go somewhere else to where, in theory, and free agency would be somewhere he'd want to be with a better quarterback. So for me, in that context, when it comes to dynasty, if you believe in the player, which I do, um, probably fringe top 12 as far as talent mm-hmm. in dynasty right now, I think I'd go ahead and buy him. Yeah, you may have to sludge through another – you know, less than still a year this year if they're still working on quarterback. But if they can get beyond that or he gets traded to a team in a better situation, I think the talent will shine through because he's still young. We know that he had high draft capital out of USC. And we've seen him perform, like you mentioned, when he's gotten the opportunity. It's just mm-hmm. they've been in such <laughs> in such hell, so to speak, at quarterback. It's been tough. Taylor? So I'll, I'll put a um, caveat on this. The more that I try to talk myself into buying him high, like, Janstead, I, I I now want to sell low because I feel like as long as he's in an Indianapolis Colts uniform, he's not going to be able to live up to his true potential. I feel like he needs to get out of that system and just move on. If he moves to another area, I'll, I'll buy him again. But right now, I'm kind of off the Michael Pittman train. As much as much as his talent there there is that he has there, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really know. Especially if Alec Pierce is able to come on strong this year. 
and and that's just where you have that crux of the conversation of like Jan, like I agree more with Jance of this year might be sorting through the sludge, but as far as we know, next year he's going to be like we'll just say the Chargers cut my Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is gone, and we'll just say like it's I don't know Jordan Addison and Josh Palmer. You throw Michael Pittman in there, and oh, everybody's hot and heavy with that. Did you um, just did you just come up with that? That I did that, actually. That's amazing. See. That, that's a possible too. It's possible. Oh my goodness. Um, but so then, real quick, Michael Pittman or Najee Harris? Because once again, KTC has them in the same range of value. Uh, go ahead and yeah, give me Najee still. I think it's the right answer. Unfortunately, <laughs> running backs are a premium, whereas wide receivers are a dime a dozen right now. Unless you're in the 2023 NFL rookie draft, because good God, they are all nickels and no dimes because they're all short and tiny. Um, <laughs> the running backs uh, are the wide receivers. Well, honestly, everybody. Yes. Like, let's be yes. real here. <laughs> yes. Is Every, the everyone but the tight ends. <laughs> and even then, I the feel biggest like tight end is Anthony Richardson. Honestly, give him a couple years. Logan Thomas. <laughs> Logan Thomas. Um, I will invoke that name. I'm um, sorry. If, if I hear another, he's built like a linebacker and a tight end, and then come to find out he was throwing the ball 80 yards down the field. I'm like, can we not just talk about the stats? Why do we always have to go to body type? Like it it gets because, really creepy. Is that just me? Because if you want to play the stats with Anthony Richardson, you're still talking about a uh round two running back. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's just like weird when you're listening to to sports radio and they're like, his shoulders look like boulders. Yeah, that is those kinda... delts look amazing. And <laughs> that's, uh, that's when I reach for AC joint. He's been able to throw forward. in a country mile. Yeah, and I'm like, like tap tap. I'm like get through this like on borderline sensual things. It's supposed to be a family podcast. Like, is this a romance novel on Amazon? <laughs> like, what are we doing here? And now back to Anthony Richardson's shoulders. Anyways, moving ESPN on. ESPN Plus this afternoon. Plus Plus. <laughs> Nighttime edition. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. DeAndre Swift. Chance, this one hurts your heart a little bit, I know, because you love him so dearly. They signed Dave Montgomery, who I think we can all agree is a halfway decent to good running back, um, to fill the Jonathan Williams role. Last year, DeAndre Swift just could not stay healthy. And now he is also or the Lions are also consistently talked about as a potential Bijan landing spot. And even going into the second round, I hear people talking about Zach Charbonnet. I hear people talking about Devin A. Chain, Jameer, like the Lions have been tied to the elite prospect running backs of this class. Chance, do you need a second to let your heart compile some emotions or are you ready just to let it out? Do you, are you buying DeAndre Swift for his costs or are you just kind of out? Well, I think it just puts me in the other scenario to where it's it's much like you with Antonio Gibson last year <laughs> to hey, where careful. The, the talent just seems yeah. so obvious, but the, the coaches see it differently, and that's just the reality here. <laughs> Neither it's an attitude an problem, the field. Jance. It's an attitude. Neither of them can stay on the problem. field. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, with David Montgomery there, I, I don't see how you could see it any other way <clears> that he's probably the, the second back on this team. Yeah. Now, like we've mentioned, I think he will win you some weeks with efficiency. But the, the days at this moment of DeAndre Swift as a top 12 dynasty running back, they just have to be over. No, no, no. Unless something radical. Higher, my friend. Because even as of well, September no, no, 7th last year, he was running back two in dynasty. Yeah. No, Dose. I know. Now he's I know. 18. Now, I think our only hope, if we're truthers, is 
it doesn't make any sense from a team building standpoint for them to invest highly in another running back. It, it makes absolutely no sense. Didn't make sense to get but David the, Montgomery either. <laughs> but the hope is if they do that, say they, they go for Bijan or they go for a second round running back, take your pick of who it is. That's where you hope that they put DeAndre Swift in the deal. Mm-hmm. You've got to imagine that some NFL GM still she, see him as that shiny toy that was so highly drafted. Um, that would be great. If he gets shipped somewhere else that has a running back vacancy or even like a place like the Commanders, which to me, Brian Robinson's not much of a – he's not going to stop much of anyone. Nope. Um, that'd be that'd be great. God, uh, Matt, even it, send him to the Dolphins, it, please. We'll take him. Oh, that'd be that'd be. Oh, nice. but save for the save for those scenarios. Even if it just stays the way it is, he's a running back too that can produce like an RB one on some weeks, and then he will disappoint you some others. And I think that's the way you have to view it. If you want to hold out hope, thinking that his talent will win through at a different location, be my guest. But I'm I'm done thinking that way. I think you have to value him for what he is, and that's so probably an RB two. If you can find somebody holding out hope, find that manager. But I don't think you can, <laughs> Taylor. I'm I'm calling it now. DeAndre Swift is going to be a San Francisco 49er in October because look, listen, listen, (laughs) McCaffrey is going to pop another hamstring probably around week five and some ridiculous (laughs) thing is going to happen to Elijah Mitchell. That's how DeAndre Swift is going to end up in a 49er and flourish under the Kyle Shanahan offense. And that is my final deal. Besides, let's be honest. If, if you're picking between DeAndre Swift and Bijan Robinson, I'm picking Bijan. I nine, mean, that, that nine upside times out of nine, yes. Yeah, so it, it's it's no, you know, I mean, that's no slouch on on DeAndre. It's just the facts that Bijan is the better choice and the younger choice in from a dynasty fantasy perspective. So, I mean, there's concern there with DeAndre. I agree with you, Jance. We need to continue to have hope for the upside for him, and he probably does need a restart, maybe even with, like, the Buffalo Bills, depending on what happens with the veteran running backs, something like that. Um, But, yeah, I I think his time in in Detroit is windling down. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Antonio ended up in Detroit somehow? Like, that would be good. Honestly, (laughs) get rid of DeAndre Swift, put Antonio Gibson there. It's a better role because Ron Rivera hates talent. Um. When, that, like, that is true. He, like, he 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 just like eats rocks for breakfast. You even as somebody who like because you can go back to our last year episode we, where we talked about players who need to perform before we're done. DeAndre Swift was one of the gotten was one of the players we mentioned because I think during our dynasty running back ranking episode I had him at either number three or four. Um, I think for me it was like JT, Brees Hall, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift. At the time that felt like weird. Like why is he at four? But like all three of us have had this conversation that because we have seen the flashes, but we have not seen the consistency or even like the play time. Cause I mean, he's been in the league for two years, three years, and he's missed, I think over half the season in each of them, except his rookie year, maybe. Yeah, he's made, he missed probably, uh, probably 40% of the games. I mean, that's so ballpark <laughs> and availability is the best ability for an NFL player. But with DeAndre Swift, like it hurts but for instance, like if the Dolphins, if for instance, like the, comes around around two, Jameer Gibbs is gone, uh, Devin A. Chain, Zach Charbonnet, like they're just not in the range, or they call up Detroit and it's like, hey, we'll give you two for DeAndre Swift. I, w- I would be on that train. I would sprint so quickly to whoever has DeAndre Swift, and I'd be throwing money at him, saying, shut up and take this. Um, but here's a couple of quick questions since DeAndre Swift is kind of way across the board. And by the way, DeAndre Swift is why I'm terrified of Jameer Gibbs. Um, would you rather have Jordan Addison or DeAndre Swift? 
Jordan Addison. This is pre-draft. Go ahead and give me Addison. So you, so we're basically agreeing across the board. It's like the 105 for DeAndre Swift is a smash yes, correct? Yep. Um, real quick, what's the lowest first-round pick you would take? Or what's the lowest pick you would take for DeAndre Swift? Lowest pick? Lowest pick. Maybe like 1.8, one 1.9. One yeah, I'd say his value is probably about that 107 or that 107, 108. My head um, went to like the 112. Like I, well, I, if this I was didn't... a – if this was a, a regular draft pass that was better, then I probably would, but I'm down on this draft pass, so that's my reasoning. Uh, would you then two more? Um, would you rather have DeAndre Swift or JK Dobbins? Ooh, DeAndre Swift. I, I, I will take JK Dobbins just because he's getting healthy and there's a chance he could be a bell cow. So last question before we move on to our super flex rookie mock draft. Fun times. Will Levis pre-draft or DeAndre Swift? In Superflex, mm-hmm. I'll take the chance on Levis. I'll just take the dark Same, throw. same Levis. Um, quarterbacks, you need them. Perfect segue because from Will Levis to the Superflex rookie mock, we go. Mock drafts. We're here. It's been a minute. Don't worry, everybody listening. Dad is back to drive this ship in the right direction. Once again, ship with a P. Um, we're doing a Superflex rookie mock draft. Um, we're going to alternate picks. I decided to give myself the easy cop-out, uh, pick 101. I'm choosing Jackson Smith and J- – no, I'm not. Bijan Robinson. Um, I just – I feel like where Bijan is, and we can beleaguer this point, he's just going to be – and I think Jansen and I said this the last podcast is he's not necessarily as elite tier as Saquon, but he is a safe prospect, a very good safe prospect. Jansen, am I phrasing us correctly? Yeah, I think somebody phrased it best was that he may never be the RB1 in a given season, but he's got like the Matt Forte type profile yes. where he's just going to knock up a six, a five, a six, a seven, like four years in a row. And I will say this, the only spot where I would not draft him 101 is if he landed in Tennessee as the backup to Derrick Henry for a year. But even then, I feel like it's in super flex leagues, you're still asking, do I want Bijan or whatever quarterback in single quarterback leagues? I still think you should probably take Bijan just because he's the best player in this draft class. Um, Taylor, you are pick numero dos. Carry on with the chlorophyll. Well, for some odd reason, I can't pick my player. Because I haven't started the draft. You have to say the player name, and I'll input them. So that way we don't have to worry about a running <laughs> clock. Oh, okay. I am picking CJ Stroud. I'm picking the the, the safe pick. I'm, I'm picking the quarterback. I, I know everyone's been talking about. You know, CJ Bryce, I'm picking CJ Stroud because he's the safer pick. He's the more NFL prototypical uh, body. And then not to mention the lasting image I have of him is just lighting up Georgia. And that's going to be, I mean, I'll keep going back to, that's going to be the closest thing to an NFL type of defense and window that we're going to be able to get expectations to. And the fact that, you know, his number one wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't out there. Of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't out there. And the way that he was still able to move the ball down the field gives me a lot of confidence going in uh, to where he's going to get drafted, probably going to Carolina at number one, potentially. Um, And, you know, with that offense, I can see him having very good rookie numbers. And I think with uh, Justin, um, shoot, Justin Fields has broken the Ohio State quarterback curse. So 
You say that, but Dwayne Haskins, God rest his soul. Uh, Troy Smith, um, James, who else am I missing? Um, Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor. Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller. I mean, we're at four with Deshaun Kaiser. No, Deshaun Kaiser went to Notre Dame. What's the difference? Deshaun Kaiser. um, Real quick. You're going to hack off some Irish fans. I don't care. They're (laughs) Irish. I don't care anyways. Um, Real quick. um, If Bryce Young goes 101 to the Panthers and CJ Stroud goes to the Houston Texans, would you still take Stroud? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I I like that program down there. What Houston's kind of building, and he he'll be able to fit into a pro style offense uh, very seamlessly down there. Vance, you are at one hundred and three. Whoa, my books just fell over here. Take it away. Let's go ahead and break the draft and take Richardson at the three. I knew it. Whoa. Also, also that's why I told Chance to pick at three. Everybody, I'll be fully honest. Explain yourself. You are a garbage team. You are picking this garbage player. who will be making significantly more money in one year than I'll make my entire life. No, That's fine. No, it's it's easy for me. It's just, if I'm going to take a quarterback this high, I want somebody with a really high ceiling. Um, like, it's no secret. We talked about this. Anthony Richardson's ceiling is best fantasy quarterback in the game. His floor is playing in the XFL in four years. I mean, that's just reality. Four, four years, <laughs> two. But I'm trying to give the guys some credit. CC uh, Paxton Lynch. Oof. I, he got I benched, like, by the way. I like CJ Stroud. I like uh, Bryce Young. I may even take them in a real draft. But for me, if I, I feel like those guys top out about eighth or ninth best case scenario. So for me, I like just aiming for the stars as far as he's concerned. If I want to try and get a guy that I think has a safe floor in this draft, I'll wait for Hinton Hooker. Hmm. Okay, I like that name drop. I just, once again, I am well documented with my conversation about Anthony Richardson. You can CC Trey Lance with this conversation as well. Um, I Once again, I think I even said about Trey Lance is the ceiling's there, but the floor is non-existent. But, and what I want to mention one last thing, it, it's just my viewpoint. If you yes. told me that I could do four drafts in a row, and in four consecutive drafts, I could get four quarterbacks that are quarterback 12, 13, 14, whatever. Or I could keep shooting for Trey Lance's and Anthony Richardson types, and I hit one out of five. I'll take that because once I've got him, and he's top three with like Josh Allen, I've got him for 12 years, and he's top three. And you know why you're you're able to get that quarterback? is because your team has sucked because that rookie pick sucked your roster's life you just seen, right out of it. I haven't I'm, seen my 24 draft picks for next year. No I don't care. That's the thing. I <laughs> don't care. It's not the draft picks. It's what you do with the draft picks, Jance. Because I know you're going to trade half of them away for someone anyways, so it's whatever. Um, 104, and this this is also like, if I'm at 104, I'm like, if I'm at 104 and I don't need a quarterback right now, I am calling everybody. I am spamming the trades i'm figuring out what i could get but i mean in this draft i'll take bryce young um just because like i i feel like the safety once again like this is just me as a drafter and this is how jance and i a lot of times with our early picks we are typically diametrically on the opposite side of the street yeah and it depends on the the position yes. running backs wide receivers I'll, I'll probably more consistent quarterback i'll shoot for the moon Yes, but in this like super flex context, like for me, I would rather have a quarterback eight to 12 for the next decade versus quarterback one to 78 over the next three years. That's just, that's just me in a nutshell, because, you know, it's been well documented, even in my draft history, 
if you go back there, typically if I'm in the top three or four, I'm finding someone who is safe to at least not sink my team. It's going to be my pick. It's going to be okay for a while. Um, but Bryce Young, it's it's he's just a good quarterback. Yes, he's short. Guess what? We'll get over it. Wherever he goes, whether it be Houston, Carolina, or even if someone gets crazy, like if Indianapolis is thirsty, if they trade up for him, my God. Um, but also, like I, I'm, I will say this and give myself one out. If Will Levis goes to the Colts at four, I will have a hard time not taking Levis above Bryce Young. I just see too much Justin Herbert in Bryce and, and Will Will Levis. I'm sorry, but that that's just that's my take. Uh, Taylor, you're at 105. So far, we've had Bijan, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young. What a lot of super flex drafts could look like. 100%, 100%. So, but Taylor, take it away at the 105. And in a great spot, I might add. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to take uh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, arguably the, the number one wide receiver for the draft. Like one of the few guys who's six foot and almost 200 pounds. Yep, and he's coming out of wide receiver U. They've had a good run of luck with uh, Ohio State wide receivers the last two years, and everyone's frothing at the mouth for Marvin Harrison Jr. for 2024. So, and you know that I I will go back to Rose Bowl 2021. Jackson Smith and Jigba 330 yards. Let's get on it. Let's go. <laughs> what are oh, we waiting on? I think because I think we can say one thing about JSN. He we expect him to be the best run from this class. But if we compare JSN with the past two rookie classes, he might be a top nine, top 10. Like True. if you put all those wide receivers into one draft, like you're taking Jamar Chase, Jalen Model, Devonta Smith, Chris Olave, Drake London. Um, who else am I missing? Um, Garrett Wilson. I, I largely agree with you, but if Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave would have went the same draft with JSN, statistically speaking, he may have gone higher. I mean, touche. But and that's that's the bittersweet thing of we have the taste of a full year without Jackson Smith and, and Jigba playing. That's true. And the, and that's why he's probably going to be a discount. Like in this point at the 105, this is probably a steal. Yeah. But once again, the NFL draft will tell all. And I think we once again we've said it on this podcast that this year, more so than others, nobody knows what's gonna happen. I've seen JSN to nine different teams consistently. I've seen Bijan like 20 different teams consistently. We've seen Quentin Johnston be anywhere from the 112 to like the middle of the third round pick. We've seen Zay Flowers. God, please don't go to a team that I care about. We've seen him go as high like the 120 something. But I mean, it's, it, it, it is, to quote myself, it is what it is. I, I think with um, JSN, I think he's going to go lower than Jamison Williams last year. You know, Jamison Williams was around that 12th pick, I believe, last year, you know, in the in the teens. I think with JSN, he may go as early as the teens, but I am selecting more around in the 20s. I feel like we I feel like we would pray to God that he once he makes it past like Detroit and he reaches like Tampa, not Seattle, like Tampa, the Chargers, please don't go to the Baltimore Ravens. Minnesota teams like that. That's where we start getting excited as fantasy players. Chance, what you got? Well, I was just going to say lastly that I'd read an article today saying that it appears that most NFL GMs, he's the only receiver they really have a first round grade on. That's and so in the past, too. in the past, we had seen perhaps Quentin Johnston going first or Jordan Addison. I think it's becoming pretty clear. He'll be the first one off the board. 
I think it's just like Taylor mentioned, it'll probably be closer to like that 24-ish range, perhaps. Hey, if it's 24, he's going to Jacksonville, and everybody who's going to get JSN, you can start dabbing now. And yes, I said dabbing. Um, Jance, you're at the 1-6. Do I just need to go ahead and slide Jameer Gibbs in right here? Well, in all honesty, I think him and Charbonnet are right in the same tier. I will mm -hmm. take him here. I know we'll go over this here in a few more minutes whenever we can elaborate some more. But I, the comps for him have been all over the place. His weight is concerning at only 199. A lot of people want to compare him to Alvin Kamara. I see him actually closer like Reggie Bush to yeah. where he's never going to be a, a bell cow or maybe even a top 10 running back, but he can win with his receiving ability and enough efficiency that he can still be top 15, top 12-ish. Yeah, and and I can, I can definitely I – can, I can ride that pony. Would I take him? No. I would probably take this next fella over him, Will Levis. <laughs> In a super flex context, if and this one just comes down to when he gets drafted. If he gets drafted anywhere between, like, you know, top 15 pick in the NFL draft, he's either going to play this year or he's going to be pushing the starter coming into this year and playing next year. Um, kind of like I said with Will Levis, um, I think the Dynasty Nerds guys, they – uh, one of them was talking about Justin Herbert, how he was should have come out one year early. He went back for his senior year or whatever. Then with basically new players, injuries and stuff like that, he fell down fantasy draft boards, and he was taking him everywhere at the 111. See where that got him. Um, I think Will Levis – by the way, I've come a full turnaround on him. Go back like five months, and he was Will Blech. This, now I admire him. But I just think if he goes to – like if he goes to the Colts, he's the 103. For me, honestly, just because I love that system, love the setup and everything like that. But he still has some kinks to work through. But Will Levis is I have affectionate spots for him. Uh, Taylor, you're at the 108 now. So I have a tough decision here between Jordan Addison and Quentin Johnston. I think I'm going to pick Jordan Addison. Um, and the, the reasoning for that is I feel like his ability to be able to make uh, to make use of the uh route tree more so than quentin johnson not saying that quentin johnson can't develop but when your route tree is so limited as he is even though he has blazing speed that gives me concern whereas jordan addison being able to work in the slot or even in the outside and have those multiple options i, I think is really going to be advantageous to him and especially if he gets to be able to re-team up with kenny pickett which there's potential there uh, going to Pittsburgh, which I think would be a nice uh, pickup or, or shoot. Who knows? He may go to a team that'll end up tanking for Caleb Williams and being able to reteam up with him. So a lot, lot of possibility there. It's going to give me Zach Charbonnet here. I mean, we just mentioned it. Him and Jameer Gibbs are right there together for me. Honestly, the NFL draft will probably dictate which one I, I take uh -huh. first in that context. <laughs> um, but you already mentioned it. He does everything so well. It's, a little bit older than some of these other guys, but it's not too much of a problem. And we've talked about it. Um, I think your profile is pretty close to like a James Conner with maybe a little bit more juice, which in this draft class, in the context of where you're getting them, I think you should be very happy about. Just so you know, if you take him ahead of me in OG, I will probably cry. Like I, real I, tears. I don't. Like don't I, do I, it I to me. This draft will determine that. I'm just telling you. Please don't do it to me because I will die. You know you're not getting JSN because it'll be by one. I gave up on that dream forever ago. Friggin' jerk. Anyways, so so far through this draft, we've gone Bijan, 
CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson at 103, then Bryce Young, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jameer Gibbs, Will Levis, Jordan Addison, Zach Charbonnet at 1-9. I feel like as a collective, we could probably say those top six picks are going to be the same names and maybe a little bit of a different order here and there, depending on team needs and just, you know, your rookie draft situationals. But I think those six are probably going to be the first six that go off the board pretty consistently ish to this. This I feel like it's going to be close, um, but it's just going to be like draft draft price for Zach Charbonnet, where he goes. Um, and even, you know, just someone crazy like me loves Will Levis. Um, would you guys agree that those top six names are probably going to be close to how we have it? I, I think this, I think it's really a top seven. I think you will have some people that you could probably interchange Charbonnet and Quentin Johnson or maybe Jordan Addison, but those top seven are pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I, I I also think that there's going to be um kind of kind of like you, you're going to have the the Will Levis lovers out there that are going to like him more so than Anthony Richardson, and it, it's going to be that top seven variation there. But I I agree. I think the the lot that we have right there is definitely going to be the the top of the draft. All right, now we're officially reaching the point of where. ADP is made up and uh, nothing even matters anymore. Just take your guy. Um, this is where I'm going to go ahead and give a preview to a future show. I'm going to plant my flag on Josh Downs here. I see the Quentin Johnston love. I see the affection for him being a six foot four, 220 pound guy. I ran a four or five today um, at the TCU's pro day, but God, am I scared that he's just going to be a tall guy that gets Locked up by a corner on the line because we saw that anytime they played press coverage, he typically had trouble getting off. Can he learn to get off of that? Yes. But my thing with Josh Downs, and I texted Jance this throughout the week, I was like, you have to tell me I'm crazy with this one because I just, he's good. He gets open. You can't cover him. Like he's just shifty. He's smart. He knows how to get open. Um, if he goes to a spot that a team, you know, with a team that I trust, I'll be taking him in about this range. But that's the caveat is this draft is few and far in between of players that like I like with their size and everything like that. But Josh Downs is just going to be a guy that I'm probably going to have on most of my rosters. Sure. I, I like the pick. The more I've watched him, the more we talked about it, the more I like him. I still stick to like my Cole Beasley comp, but I think. Oh, it's good. It's, it's as if, I was just saying, it's as if Cole Beasley was much more athletic and had <laughs> more draft capital. That's yeah. Josh Downs. Um, my one concern uh, that I'll mention real quickly before we move is I, I did read an article that said that and, and, and I don't think it's to be fully alarmed because teams select players all the time. They don't actually have formal meetings with. Hmm. But they said that Josh Downs at this time, it's like two days ago, has not received yeah. a single meeting or invite from a single team, <clears throat> which is a little bit concerning because that's my thing is I like him. You like him. If he goes in by day two, um, I'll be right there with you. But if he falls to like round four, then I might be a little bit concerned. Yeah, I mean, it's there. I, I just kind of think, because I think on that same article, it, it kind of mentioned the splits of sometimes those visits are used for players that they have questions about their character, their work ethic, or they just need more information. But Josh Downs, from what I've read, is been perceived as just super steady guy. Like, there's not any real off-the-field questions. He works hard in the gym. He works hard on the field. He perfects his craft. So that's, that's at least what I glean from it. But yes, I am slightly biased. Um, moving on, 111. All right, y'all ready to get crazy? Uh, honestly, with this draft, you're not going to surprise me unless you say, like, Hinden Hooker. 
Dalton Kincaid. Yep, you're crazy. <laughs> um, I want to take the first tight end off off the board here. One, um, because they're saying that the Cowboys may want to take him, but he is a very dynamic you, Homer. <laughs> he is a very dynamic playmaker. This is my one crazy pick. Okay, like let, let's chillax, especially after hearing that the Quintez Johnston, even though he ran a four or five, that's that's glorious. But it concerns me if he's not able to get off the the press there. And that kind of what happened in the Michigan game, right? You know, not being able to get off the push, and the reason he had the seventy point seventy one yard touchdown uh, catch was because he kind of like swerved off there oh, to, to, to the bit he wasn't able to go straight <laughs> Ringo or whatever from Georgia guy yeah. who's like six inches shorter than him just locks him up on the line every time in that championship game but that that was an unmatched conversation but Dalton Kincaid no <laughs> but I I think he can be the next uh elite tight end um like a Mark Andrews be able to uh, become a very reliable tight end, be able to get 10 yards a clip, be able to average six to seven catches, and just his ability to be able to get open. And you saw that day in and day out, especially with Cam Rising and then the year before that. I mean, the reason that they were able to go to back uh, consecutive Rose Bowls, a lot of it was because of Dalton Kincaid being a primary uh, pass catcher and being able. Now, granted, it was against the Pac-12. I get that. But still, nonetheless, his ability is unwavering. And I know Michael Mayer, you know, everyone's talking about him, but I, I really do like the ability of Dalton Kincaid and what he's able to offer to a the pro game. I'll let you take the tight end with a back injury in the first round. Chance, give us the 112, and then we'll kind you know, of – You know who else had – you know who else was a tight end with a back injury? His name was Rob Gronkowski, and he turned out just okay. Congratulations for Gronk. He played with Tom Brady. <laughs> I'll go ahead and take Johnston here. Um, Good pick. I, I I see the concerns you guys do, uh, but at that at this point, I still take the upside. That, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, route running is concerning. Whenever he gets press man covered, is concerning. But in my opinion, he is the best yards after catch guy in this class. Maybe the most explosive receiver in the class. So, you know, at this point, we'll start taking positive traits. That's a big one, and so I'll go ahead and take him here. Yeah, no, I I think one twelve. In this draft, like if I'm the form, like the previous champion, I'm sprinting this to the podium. I'm slamming this button on my phone. I'm screaming his name from the top of the rooftops if you can, <laughs> wherever you're at. Um, but that's a solid pick. So just to recap our first round real quick, um, we went Bijan at 101, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Jameer Gibbs at 16, Will Levis at 17, uh, Jordan Addison, Zach Charbonnet, Josh Downs. A back injury in Dalton Kincaid and Quentin Johnston. Jeez. Now, Jance, earlier you said that you wanted to kind of come back and revisit a player. Let's go to that because we got a little bit of time here. Well, I think we were just talking about Jameer Gibbs is is the player I I had mentioned, and you know, let's go ahead and come and you know go ahead and bring in a lot of these guys. This entire running back class is really small for the most part. You got Devin A. Chain, Jameer Gibbs, Tajay Spears. Um, the size matters. We've talked about that. We've talked about the numbers as about 207 kind of being that certain threshold. I see the faces you're making. I see what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm on. a child. <laughs> <laughs> it matters in this context. Um, yes, it does. It, yes, it so, does. I think 
landing spot will matter so much for these guys, as we've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I, which is why I would love to get together somehow, some way, and watch this draft. It's going to matter so much. This draft, um, I'm so clueless about. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But with Gibbs, I just want to see that at that size, will he be pigeonholed into just being a guy that's used outside the tackles in the passing game, or will he be allowed to get some running between the tackles? Because at Georgia Tech, you know, before he came to Alabama, he actually was used a decent amount in between the tackles and did pretty well with it. Not amazing, but did well enough. Um, so I'm curious, but you have you and others from talking about it have helped me as far as having to shift down some of these guys that are slider in frame, let's let's say. Just because we regardless of how we feel about it, what you know, these NFL coaches they see it one way, and usually it's it's the big hefty boys <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that tend to make the difference here. I think Jameer Gibbs had like 10 carries inside the 10-yard the line throughout his entire career at Georgia Tech and Alabama. Um, and first off, once again, Chance, no, Jameer Gibbs is the best running back in this class. You should take him at the 103 just to make sure that I can get an old Zach Charbonnet. I can't, you know, I can't wait to take Charbonnet at three. Just I will that. cry actual <laughs> tears because I've had to convince you of Charbonnet's greatness. But anyways, he's great. He's great. Um, the reason why Jameer Gibbs scares the crap out of me, Chance, take your audio out. You're not supposed to hear this. Um, is just because the DeAndre Swift comparison. Um, like DeAndre Swift, we said the same things. He's great. He's quick. He's elusive. I mean, DeAndre Swift weighs 12 more pounds than this guy. Um, and he's a little bit taller as well, I believe. But like, that's what scares the crap out of me. Of I am tired of hearing about all the fan, like fantasy analysts saying, this guy could be great if X, Y, Z. You're right. But the NFL doesn't see players like that in that way unless proven without a fact otherwise. And so that's why, like, Jameer Gibbs scares the absolute pants right back on me, on the, to be real with you. Um, but, yeah, like, he's very polarizing. But, like, if he goes to the Chiefs in the second round, are we going to go through the Clyde Edwards-Alaire conversation again? No, oh, like. Is it Pacheco or is it going to be Jameer Gibbs? Because uh, like, I, to, I don't think it'd be quite at that level. Because if we go back to that draft, a lot of people had Clyde Edwards Hilaire like five like or their six. RB, yeah, like their RB four or five. I think most people still have Jameer about two or three at the worst. Yeah, but I mean, it's still. I mean, that, and that could just be the the rookie class, anyways. Blah blah blah. Words words words. Things things things. Um, I am up first. We're going to go the second round. Um. And honestly, in this draft, this I'm a, I have officially reached where I'm just going to take whoever the crap I want, and I'm going to be happy take with my guy. I'm going to take my guy. I'm going to take Sean Tucker at 2-1. Oh, um, wrong guy. Good kidding. choice. Good choice. Kidding. He's the right guy, dang it. <laughs> um, just with Sean Tucker, yes, he's a little bit shorter, but he crosses that 210-pound threshold like we talked about on previous episodes. Go back and listen, by the way. It's great. Um. He's got track speed. Yes, he does have some issues where he tries to dance. Yes, he does have some issues where he runs a little upright. But whenever he decides to put his shoulder through somebody, he can push the pile. And I would take him here, especially if he gets any modicum of draft capital. But you're going to hear us say that about everybody. So we're just going to take that out of our vernacular real quick. And we'll put that right back in after the combo, after the draft happens. Now, Sean Tucker, Syracuse running back 2-1. I like him. He will be mine in probably a lot of places because I have a lot of back end of the first round picks. Taylor, 2-2. With this being a super flex, I'm going to take Hendon Hooker here. Oh, you son of a gun. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and the reasoning for that is he played terrific over the last two years at Tennessee. I understand that he's 25 years old, but there's some buzz that, you know, the Vikings may draft him to be the succession to um, Kirk Cousins, which I think would be a terrific pick there. And just his ability to be mobile in the pocket and he can throw the ball deep. I mean, that was part of the part of the offense about the, you know, the air raid offense with um, Josh Heupel was going deep and time and time again, whether it be against Alabama or LSU or some of these other folks, they were throwing the ball deep and he was able to get it there. Obviously he had the concerns there against the South Carolina game towards ACL. So to be able to see how he's able to progress, and get caught up to the program uh to the pro game uh will be telling but at the same time when he left virginia tech to go to tennessee he progressed and got better each year so i i'm you know i feel like with his work ethic he'll be able to become a competent quarterback and so in a super flex you need one great and then one competent or somewhere you know a combination of that to be able to get uh, the magic number total in the super flex. And I think Hendon hooker can provide that in the years to come. And the NFL just seems to love this guy. The longer the draft process goes, the more we hear names like the lions, potentially um, the Seahawks and just kind of other teams that are don't, not necessarily in desperate need, but future need chance two, three. Go ahead and give me Jalen Hyde here. Um, he's not the sexy pick for most people, but I mean, he did win the best receiver in college football last year. We know that he's probably the best as far as getting downfield. Um, and if you take a person like this, I think you have to be realistic and, and understand that he doesn't profile to be like an alpha receiver, like a top 12 guy. But I think if you get him to be someone similar in size and frame of like a Will Fuller, who obviously won a lot downfield and was able to expand his route tree and have a couple of good seasons, um, that would be kind of what you're aiming for. Yeah. And plus, now that we're in kind of this bleh, not like bad, but just like, amalgam of players you just find a puck kind of well, words are hard i have coffee and i'm hyped up you kind of find players that you just want and that's why the two four i'm taking reishi rice six foot 200 pound guy out of smu plays bigger than pretty much anyone in this class including quentin johnston um who's bigger than him by the way but i just love how reishi plays i think he has a chance at the next level to be something that's consistently usable um for fantasy taylor two five I'm going to take uh, Kendra Miller. Okay. What, what Six foot, 220. Every, every time. Yeah. <laughs> every time. Is, Six foot, 220. getting me ready for our drafts. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, yeah. No, it's all good. Um, great running back out of TCU, being able to run in between the tackles. Definitely one of the big reasons TCU was able to get to where they were at. And, you know, the NFL needs big body running backs and he fits that prototype uh, prototype. So I don't see him being the bruiser bell cow, but being able to be a running back too, or a scat back or not scat back, but you know what I mean? Being, being that backup running back, be able to provide some uh, depth in the back end. He can provide it. Chance. Wouldn't give me Zay flowers, you know, for the most, for the most part, the consensus wide receiver four. Um, I know he's got Pass. short arms, small hands. Bro, this, this got... dude is 5'7", a buck 85, maxed out, and his arms are like old T-Rex arms. He's like, I got the pass, I and he can't get his hands over I, his tongue. I am happy that he's at least got up to the 190s by the draft combine, and 
I think in the right situation, he can be like water weight. Him and I don't know if he, I don't know if 20 pounds is water weight. Listen, him, he him worked out. Murray, I tell you. But the fact that you said like he gained like genuinely 10 to 15 pounds, his frame is maxed out. He did not play at 180. He played at like 150. No, but I don't think he did. He's going back down to 173. You would hope not. Um, My heart says one way, but I'm going to go this way because I think I can get the guy that I really want. I'm going to take Tank Bigsby at 2-7. Let it earlier. Big big boys come in near the goal line. Tank Bigsby has softer hands than you imagine. He showed that at Auburn pretty consistently, but... Tank is he's like what six foot two twenty something I think, yeah, he's uh Tank's a big load. I mean, he was the offense for he's Auburn. a chunky boy. But uh, Taylor, you're up. I'm gonna take uh, Cedric Tillman, uh, the other explosive wide receiver out of Tennessee. He also has some size, six foot three, two fifteen, and he had some explosive plays down the field for Tennessee when Hyatt wasn't. Um, he was the opposite to you could say it was kind of lightning and thunder. He was the thunder to Hyatt's lightning. He'll be interesting for me on where he goes in the draft because he got injured last year. Yeah. Um, he only has 1,000 yard season at Tennessee, but he's one of the bigger guys. If a team wants him, they're going to have to get him. Chance 2 9. Go ahead and give me Michael Mayer. He's not necessarily my guy, but if he's going to follow this far, I'll go ahead and take him here for sure. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why I didn't take the guy I wanted to take. I'm going to take Israel Bonaconda back here. The fact that I've heard other higher profile guys than me who know football more than me say like, this is a bro that he has the chance to be something that could be special. It makes me all warm and fuzzy because I sent Jance a text and said, Izzy is going to be the guy is Damian Pierce this year. He's going to find a home where, you know, no one's talking about him pre-draft, but he's going to find a home where he's going to be the lead back and he's going to take over. And by the time rookie drafts come around, I'm going to have to reach for him in the first round or cry because someone's going to take him two spots ahead. A la Damian Pierce. That's what I said, man. That's what I said. <laughs> By the way, that's listen to the podcast. We're right every now and then Taylor two eleven. I'm going to take chase Brown. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Look, you can't go wrong yeah. with the Brett Billima running back. So let's go for it. He is a Canadian boy. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Well, that's the biggest problem right there. Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> Chance, do you want Devin A. Chain now or later? I actually want Ty J. Spears right Ooh. now. Um, we obviously know his production profile. Uh, it's fantastic. He runs much stronger than you would think for his size. I think he profiles pretty closely to like a Devin Singletary, but I think mm-hmm. he can be better than that. Um, and obviously, whenever you're drafting this far back, that's the kind of guy you kind of would hope to get. I, I feel that. Um, Another guy from a small school. Another guy from a small school. Look at you. Um, I Tyje is so conflicting for me, but we'll have to talk about him a different day. We need to sprint through this third round real quick, so we're just gonna get the name and the player. Um, at the three one, I'm going to take once again. You know what? I'm actually gonna hurt Taylor's heart. I'm gonna take Marvin Mims at three one. His draft capital is rising. More people are talking about him. I like how he runs. All right, I'll take uh, a chain, even though I don't know when the last successful Aggies running back was. Uh, a long time. There you go. Chance. Ooh, this is tough. Go ahead and give me Zach Evans. There's a lot to dislike, but there's a few traits that are elite, and that's that's what I'll hope shines. He, he will be another guy that I will be firmly watching on. If, if an NFL team sees him in the third round and they grab him, he's right back in that back in the first in conver- first round conversation. 
Um, keeping this running back train going, I'm going to take Roshan Johnson. Yeah. He's he's a trait. <laughs> he's a traits guy that he ran behind Bijan, but we've talked about him before. He's he's pretty good at football. Plus, he's massive. Taylor. Speaking of massive load, Darnell Washington, 6'7", 270. He had a one-handed catch. The dude is impressive. I can't. <laughs> oh, man. Put the explicit tag on this one. Cover your kids' ears. Go ahead and give me Dwayne McBride, another running back from a small school. Might have the best contact balance slash break tackle in this class. I mean, complete man of a person i'm coming up i'm coming around him a little bit but not enough just yet um three seven there's just like no one that i really want like i guess i will i will follow the traits here you know what yeah i'm gonna follow the traits here i'll take Kayshawn booty um suppose at one point in time was a second coming of jamar chase slash justin jefferson covid happened fell off with bad lsu offense three seven you could do worse All right, so at three eight, I'm gonna take Deuce Vaughn. Has the you know has the body top very similar to Darren Sproles, and can be, in my opinion, very good potential flex back down the road. Darren Sproles looks tall compared to him. Chance, are you glitched or are you still here? Oh, he's here. Sorry, you're up. Cut up for a second. Uh, Kenny McIntosh might be might be the second best receiver in this class, the running back position. I feel that. Um, coming up next, um, I'm going to slide Muhammad Ibrahim here. I have a soft spot for him. Dead gummit. You Man, take it this. every like, my <laughs> third round. Stop oh. it. <laughs> Taylor, you're up. I'm going to take A.T. Perry. Uh, blazing speed out of Wake Forest. Had pretty good body control. Six foot five, 205. Um, and in the third round, we're looking for potential. A.T. Perry's got it. Chance, wrap us up. Make it a good Xavier one. Xavier Hutchinson. You failed. Fantastic out, out of Ohio, Iowa State. Um, <laughs> can't say something like that. BFF <laughs> loves this guy. Not yeah. an athletic freak, but we'll see if he can win at the next level. No, I like him too. He reminds me of Alan Lazard whenever he came out. <clears throat> just a big dude yeah. who's good at football. Nothing oh. special about him, but he's just a big dude who's good at football. Sounds like Iowa State's prototype, wide receivers. Is, I wonder if that's what they do. Be like, you're you're a big body type. You're not that special. Here, here's a, a diploma, and uh, yes, or a, a scholarship. You want to come to Iowa State? Be a cyclone. And yet, there they go. Um, to recap, um, the, I don't know if I did the second round. I'll do both of them. We had Sean Tucker, Hinton Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, two three, Rishi Rice, Kendra Miller, Zay Flowers, Tank Bigsby, Cedric Tillman, Michael Mayer, Israel Abanaconda, Chase Brown, Tajay Spears for the second. Third round was Marvin Mims, Devin A. Chain, Zach Evans, Roshan Johnson, Darnell Washington, Dwayne McBride, Kayshawn Booty. Yes, that's how you say it. Deuce Vaughn. That's funny we have Booty and Deuce side by side. Kenny McIntosh, Muhammad Ibrahim, A.T. Perry, and Xavier Hutchinson. Booty Deuce. Thank you. Gross. This is Taylor. Stop. Leave. All right. Thank everybody. You. All right. The podcast is wrapping up. Never coming back. Um, thank you for listening. Um, Find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF or through our email at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com where we'll answer all of your fantasy football related questions. Nothing about booty deuce. I'm looking at you, Taylor. Um, We'll catch you guys next week. Be successful with your trade.